Hello listeners, welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur and real estate expert who achieved fire at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever or using the link in our show notes. How's 2021 treating you so far, Chrissy? It's pretty good. It's only a few days. (laughs) Thanks for the enthusiasm. (laughs) It's pretty good. Well, this is our second episode. No, this is our third episode of the year. So time is flying by already. And uh, here we are. Today is a pretty fun show, I think. Yes. Because last year, well... First of all, thank you to all the listeners for uh, joining Explorify Canada last year and helping grow the show and sharing it with your friends and things like that. And one of the major things that happened to us last year, and avid listeners from the beginning probably noticed a massive improvement in our audio quality, Chrissy. Yes. Do you know why that was? Yes, because we had a very special listener who came on board and decided to join the team and help us out in the the background. Yeah, and I mean, so everything that I've done with podcasting has been do-it-yourself. And I'm a do-it-yourself guy. I'm still trying to fix the furnace I was telling you about in December. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but it's, it runs. We have heat, so it's okay. But uh, yeah, so being a do-it-yourself type person, which is... You know, part of how I embraced the whole FI and fire and Mr. Money Mustache in the beginning. But for the podcasting side of it, you know, it was, I was overwhelmed by the audio production of it. And I just didn't realize how much there was to it. You know, we kind of just, you know, hit the button, record, and we used some online software to get our production. But what a dramatic difference having a professional do it has been for us. And today, we get to chat with our professional in-house <laughs> audio production engineer, Max. Welcome to Explorify Canada. Awesome to finally chat with you. Hey, guys. It's an honor to be on. And a little bit strange to be on this side of the microphone. <laughs> it is. Yeah, now you have to listen to your own voice when you're editing the episode. <laughs> it's going to drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> it's going to drive me absolutely crazy uh, because plus on top of it, I'll have to deal with my uh, my slight sort of Quebec accent, right? Oh, it's so, lovely. It's lovely. You, you, can't hear, you can't hear your own accent. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. <laughs> so you mentioned you're from Quebec. You are our second interviewee from your great yeah. province. Our first one was Norbert in episode 40. So yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and um, how we came to meet you. We're going to represent the East Coast a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, how? Let's see. How did we meet? About, what was it? Maybe six months? I think about July. Around July, maybe June, last June, about six, seven months ago, um, I was listening to an episode of the FI Garage. And, oh, I always uh, love getting the shout out for the FI Garage in there. <laughs> on the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm listening to the FI Garage, and uh, just around that time, I was... Uh, toying with the idea of like kind of starting up a uh, sort of a podcast editing, recording, mixing, processing, producing company uh, because I'm an audio engineer and it's it's a very easy sidestep for me and I'm just incredibly passionate about podcasts in general. Uh, many hours a day pass by while I'm listening to them. So I'm listening to the FI Garage 
he's having a chat with uh, the economist and um he mentions at some point something along the lines of uh oh at some point i'm gonna have to like outsource this uh this this you know editing part uh because it was driving him crazy well for uh, two shows was yeah. a lot yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> for two trying to edit two shows was a lot it was oh, getting to me <laughs> it's a ton of work right so yeah. um so the second i heard that i was I was like, oh my God, I got like, I, I have to act. You know, sometimes in life you get these like little moments and you're just like, you kind of feel like life is giving you a sort of a window. They're open, like life is opening a window, like an inch, just a crack open. And you're kind of like, oh, it's kind of this moment. And in that moment you have to decide like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bold and go for it and act and do something a little quirky and a little like, you know, outside the usual, or I'm just going to stand by and just let the, you know, the opportunity close, the window of opportunity close. So at that time, I was thinking, okay, I, I need to get on with some shows. You know what? I listen to these shows. I know the topic. I love the topic. I enjoy the shows. I'm going to send a quick message and see if I can help alleviate his pain a little bit. You know, it was probably like 17 pages long or something. Because <laughs> I tend to be wordy. That's just, that's just my vibe, right? It was, it was long. wordy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I didn't want to come off like... Uh, I just wanted it to come off being like kind of like honest, but not too much of a suck up, but also, you know, presenting myself as somebody who admired the work, but at the same time felt I could bring a little something to the table. You well, know? it's it's like writing a good cover letter, right? Kind of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I send in the message and I'm like, hey, Money Mechanic, uh, I'm Max and I'm not audio engineer. I'm a fan. I enjoy both of your shows and uh, I would like to offer you to give you a hand. I'm trying to get my feet wet in the podcast arena. Would you let me use your show as a guinea pig and make it my sandbox uh, where I can make all kinds of mistakes and learn a few things, you know? Uh, coming from audio engineering and making music, uh, podcast production is much, much, much easier. Uh, I always like to say that it's sort of like going from astrophysics to high school biology and that it's it's fairly easy, but it's still a different topic. So it's not like... You know, you can just kind of start it up and there's no changes, no difference. There's a different set of tools and that kind of thing. So, yeah, Money Mechanic graciously uh, accepted. How could I not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've been uh, doing this together uh, ever since now for about six, seven months. And yeah. uh, that's how we met, basically. Yeah, I felt that uh, when we got your email, I, I shared it with Chrissy as well and I think the the group decision was that Explore FI Canada was going to be the show that we really wanted to add that audio production value that you had to it because it's uh, because of the cross Canada nature of the show and oh interesting and how, yeah yeah and how you can and build that so I soldiers on with FI Garage with subpar audio quality and but you know we're drinking beer on that show so sometimes we just come off as we are <laughs> anyway it's part of the character I think <laughs> it adds to it it's part of the charm right <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just going to say we're so grateful for your help because it really does free us up to do the things that we want to focus on, which is uh, talking to guests and uh, recording and bringing quality content to our audience. So thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> it's a pleasure, honestly. A huge thank you. Now, one of the reasons that we wanted to get you on the show is because I think uh, beyond your exceptional skills as an audio engineer, it also has created a different path to FI or maybe a longer path to FI. There's some different things that we need to cover today. And the one part that I get the most that resonates with me is that the longer that I've been 
on the path and the more that I learn from guests and from the Facebook groups and Twitter and wherever you happen to get other information, even through the books, is that this path is no one size fits all. And so many of us start off at the beginning with this hardcore focus on a 50, 60, 70% savings rate, something, you know, really hard to attain. And you know, focus on maybe we're in a career or a job that we don't like, but we're just going to crush it and get out as soon as possible. And that's that's all like common. Like any, we can listen to hundreds of podcasts that tell us about that. But we're here today to talk about your story, Max, and your story is about your passion. So just kind of give us a little bit of a, an overview before we get too deep into it of what your FI journey likes and what how that kind of started for you three years ago. Okay, well, basically, uh, I mean, I've no doubt that I'm the least FI guest you've ever had on the show. <laughs> so let me just start by saying that right off the bat, right? <laughs> uh, there's no real estate portfolio in the background over here. So yeah, I started maybe at most three years ago. Um, it's funny, I, I kind of stumbled into FI in a bit of a strange way, in the sense that uh, I was just starting to listen to a lot of podcasts. And you know, just very uh, various uh, entertainment stuff, you know, basketball, sports, whatever. Eventually, I kind of discovered that there were all kinds of topics in the podcasting sphere. I saw that there was a lot of podcasts about things like improve self-improvement and money and stuff like that. And, I, you know, I started checking them out. And eventually, I uh, fell on the a podcast of a guy named Joshua Sheets. Have you guys mm -hmm. heard of him yeah. before? I, yeah, I both love him. Yep, that's yeah. radical personal finance. And hate yeah, him at the same time. He's so controversial. <laughs> yes. Some of the things he says, I just want to wring his neck. But the majority yeah. of the time, I'm like, you're a genius. You are so good at what you do. And I love right? what you're saying. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's intense. He's really yeah. something. It comes off a bit too much like a sermon for me sometimes. Yeah. He's, I believe he's actually a preacher. Okay, well, that totally makes mistaken. sense. Yeah, yeah. Just sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like yeah. you're really <laughs> just giving me a sermon yeah. right now. Yeah. Know, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was one episode I was listening to, and uh, he, was, he was literally crying for like 45 minutes, yeah. you know, like deep, oh, yeah. heartfelt tears. It was yeah. really something. Passion. But like you said, he's a genius, yeah. right? He's like super intense. He, he really knows his stuff. What was, what's his show called? Oh, yeah, Radical Personal Finance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it truly it, it truly is, you know, he he really shines as a, as a unique mm -hmm. voice in the sphere, I think. Uh so he was my introduction to <laughs> to FI. So it was a bit of a we're a long way from the sort of like rainbows and ice cream and unicorns from like choose FI and stuff like that, right? It was very like, uh, you know, financial independence, you know. So he was my introduction. I got into that and that of course led to other podcasts and other shows and then for the first time in my life, sort of all these shows kind of made me uh, see that money was something you can control. It's not, you know, it's not just something that happens to you, right? <laughs> it, it's something that you do yourself. And, you know, I, I kind of saw money before as just kind of bunch of virtual numbers on a website that I had to manipulate so that I could do certain things in life, like buy a certain microphone, or it dictated how much I had to go work at jobs I didn't like or things like that. But I, I never actually saw it as something that if I manipulate these numbers correctly, it will eventually sort of draw my future and, you know, show me and, and sort of like develop my options and, and, and sort of like impact my quality of life, you know, 
beyond like, can I afford pizza this weekend? You know, like kind of like <laughs> like a long term thing, right? Uh, so that's that's how I uh, discovered it, and I had plenty of time to listen to podcasts because I, you know, I have an office job like uh, most uh, artsy types. There was a lot of sort of data entry and stuff, so I had like five six hours to spend per day listening to podcasts. So you 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 know you get to, con- to consume a lot of content and a lot of ideas, and it kind of points you in the right direction fairly quickly. And then uh, after a while, maybe a little bit, maybe about a year ago or so, I kind of got like tired of listening to advice from Americans on FI because you know you know how it is. It's mm-hmm. kind of like six what forty percent of it doesn't really apply to yeah. us. Yeah. Right. So I, I I couldn't listen to another episode about a 401k. So I started looking for Canadian alternatives, which is how I found you guys. And uh, that was kind of my introduction to fire. It's amazing. I think your money transformation speaks to a lot of people because a lot of us, I think, are kind of not very mindful when when we're younger with our money. And it's true. You, you don't realize that it's something that's in your control that you can do something about and you can improve. So it's it's nice to hear hear your side of it, hear your story, and how how it transformed for you over the years. Yeah, but you know what? My my one regret is how late it came. Mm-hmm. Kind of, we're all kind of in the same age range, right? Early forties, and uh, oh, wow, you know thank what? you for saying early because I may have crossed that, <laughs> that midway threshold. This <laughs> still early. It's okay. Your your secret is safe. Your secret <laughs> yeah, is safe. Yeah. Oh man! And that was that. That's basically that was one of the big things that hit me after discovering FI. Is this? Yes, this. Um, I, I'm not going to call it relief. I'll, I'll, let's say joy is too strong a word. But this this sort of peace that yes, I can control money, but it also came with a massive wave of regret mm. of oh my goodness, you know. And you all you hear so many uh, stories. Oh yeah, you know I was. 24 years old and I bought a duplex and stuff like that. And you go, all those, like, I feel like I squandered my entire, the the entire period of life where you're supposed to build your foundation. I feel like I squandered it. So I don't know. I don't know if that contributes to my sort of like uh, my motivation to kind of hustle these days, you know, 12 hour days, seven days a week, go, go, go. Uh, But uh, yeah, that, that was a big regret. Yeah. I think that's pretty common too. Mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody finds the FI or fire community in their twenties, right? I mean, I was in my mid thirties later than that even. Uh, right? And so I knew I was behind the eight ball as well. So it's, and I, I think one of the things that I really liked what you just said there, and I hadn't really pulled it out of a conversation we've had before is that part of that realization or that starting on the journey is, is a mindset shift from immediate short-term thinking to long-term thinking, mm-hmm. to be able to see that, if I make some small changes today with my finances, whether it's paying down some debt, a little bit more savings, maybe earning a little extra money, the aggregation of those gains over the 10-year time frame are, or more, 15 years, are going to be huge, right? So even for us in our 40s, changes we make today are going to have big impacts down the road. Like I saw quite a few blogs pop up last year where it's like, you know, late starter fire. Mm-hmm. She's down in Australia and she's fairly late. And there's quite a few other ones that people are in their 40s. Mm-hmm. 50s. It's so refreshing. 50s. I find I find it so refreshing when I see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about sort of along this thread too is when you found FI, 
did you find that there are any changes that you could take from it? You said you're you're the least fi guest, but that's not true. That's not true at all because it's a, it's a journey. We don't want to just talk to people that have made it. It's all about getting there and working on it at your own pace. So when you found out about the community, you started taking in some of the content. Were you able to apply some of the principles right away and see a positive impact in your life? Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> he hesitated, Chrissy. <laughs> that was a big hesitation. <laughs> yeah, well, but he, I didn't get pizza every week now. <laughs> so what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, I did, but I think the biggest benefit was psychological. Okay, I, I believe so because uh, just as a quick backgrounder, this I mean we'll probably segue into this a little bit later, but. The reason I'm so not FI is because of the obscenely large amounts of money I've spent on trying to build the life I want uh, and to have the career I want. So we can, we can talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. But that's why I would say because I was starting from such a far, 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 far behind. Like I'm the last guy at the marathon. Like I'm the guy. The gun goes off, and I'm look. I'm still looking around. You know, looking around for a Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like not even. I don't I haven't started running yet. You know, um, so that's why, in that sense, it's psychological. But it's psychological in the sense that it gives. Uh, it's enheartening. It gives courage to sort of be like, yeah, you know what? I can do this. It started bad, but look, I'm now. I think my net worth is ten thousand dollars better now than it was a year ago. And you take little steps like that, and you go, okay, this is this is possible. You You're know? making progress. Exactly, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Hey, money mechanic, you use passive, right? How do you like it? It's great. It's like my own personalized robo advisor. I set it up one time, then passive helps keep my portfolio balanced by securely connecting to Questrade. Wow, sounds like passive saves you a lot of time. Yeah, no more spreadsheets. And Passive even has one-click purchasing, which makes life so much easier. That sounds amazing. I also heard that Passive added a new goal feature to help DIY investors reach their investment targets. That's right. The goal feature is built right in and helps you stay on track with your investments. Chrissy, did you know that Passive is free for Questrade clients? Free is good, especially when it normally costs $99. How can our listeners get in on this offer? Just go to Passive.com forward slash epic that's passive with no e dot com forward slash efic christy had a little excerpt that i think she wanted to share with the listeners that kind of gives us a little bit of your sort of i don't know if you want to call it backstory but mindset a little bit hey christy do you want to share yeah, that yeah it's uh something that max emailed to us and it actually leads to the title of this episode which i think is just intriguing. It kind of sums up Max's journey. Um, so we're going to call this episode, When Your Dreams Get in the Way of Fire. And uh, I think it speaks to not just people who are artistic and finding it hard to make a good living with their passion in the arts, but also people who have other struggles, you know, with, with maybe illness or disability, or maybe their job just doesn't earn them as much as they want. And it's just something that they enjoy and they want to keep doing. And so I'll read what Max uh, wrote to us, because I think it sums up the main topic of this episode really nicely. So Max says, there's one thing about Phi that bugs me. It's not well suited to a parallel pursuit of another goal, usually a passion-based goal in a creative field, etc. 
Since those fields are not lucrative, highly competitive, and often require large upfront cash outlay, such as audio engineering, and tend to be all-consuming to make any progress at all, but a lot of FI content says, get a performance-based sales job or programming job to increase your income. And whenever I see that, I go, okay, but what if my dream of dreams is to be a dance choreographer and I don't want to wait 10 to 15 years to be fi to pursue it before my dancer's body gives out and I have to spend all my time dancing to even have a shot at being successful. I've often thought about that, how easy FI would be if I hadn't wanted to work in the music industry quite literally at all costs. And for me, that just speaks to your passion and what a lot of people feel, there's this tension between FI and living the dream that is your life that, or, or the dream that you want to be your life. And uh, they're at odds with each other sometimes. Yeah, they really are. It's, and I, I felt like this for, for quite a while, you know, especially when you're, and it's sometimes it's frustrating, you know, because you, you, you listen to a lot of content and stuff like that. And I mean, not to be mean or anything, but sometimes I'll listen to the content and I'll go, yeah, but you have no driving, like, you don't have this driving imperative in your gut. You don't have this fire that's just telling you, this is what you need to be doing with your life. This is what you be, need to be doing with your time, no matter what. So sometimes I'm like, okay, but like, yeah, it, it would be easy if I could just, you know, put my head down, get a office job, work my way up to the corporate ladder or, you know, quit, learn coding, get a job for 80 grand a year and just build in that way. But you can't do that when you're insanely passionate about a field that, you know, all these fields, they all have that in common, right? They're insanely competitive, whether you're talking about theater, acting, uh, audio engineering. Uh, I, I saw a thing once that becoming a successful audio engineer, particularly in music, is more competitive than becoming an astronaut. Wow. Which, wow. Now, I don't know how much I, I believe that, but it was like a legitimate website, you know, it was like they were showing the f the most competitive fields and like there was no law, no medicine, none of that. Number four was audio engineer. Do you know what number one was? No. No. Dance choreographer. What? Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. To successfully earn a living as a dance choreographer is the most competitive position you can fight for wow. as a career. <laughs> Wow. Right. And, you know, it makes some sense when you think about it, but like they're all fields where there's no money. So you really mm -hmm. have to be in that, like being good doesn't cut it. You have to be the best in the world to even kind of, kind of like make a dent in that, you know? So, you know, I'm listening to a lot of this, this stuff and people are talking about saving up to buy rental properties. And I'm like, I just bought an $8,000 <laughs> microphone. Like, how <laughs> do you want me to buy a, like a duplex? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's where there's, and that, that's where I kind of got that idea. And I shot you an email and I said, you know, this is like a topic that's never discussed. You never see that. It never comes up. Uh, it's extremely rare. And the rare times they'll discuss creative fields uh, as it pertains to fire is like as some side hustle or something. It's like, yeah, if you're a writer, you could start a blog and, mm -hmm. you know, write. And I'm like, man, there, that so doesn't come close to covering all the different sort of like artistic pursuits that you know, people would want to pursue that just kind of go against, you know, whether there was a period in my life where I spent a hundred dollars a week on singing lesson for like 10 years. Wow. So that adds mm -hmm. up. <laughs> mm -hmm. That adds up. And, you know, at the time, if you told me like, well, you know, you should be taking that a hundred dollars. And if you put it in a fund, 
it'll be like magic, you know, 10 years from now, you're going to have like that, that, that small input's going to have blossomed to $20,000. And I'll be like, yeah, but I don't know how to sing. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. You could, I could pay a hundred dollars a week and I'd still not know how to sing. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, yeah, I, I would argue that neither could I, but that's a whole other thing. Hey, yeah, that's <laughs> so. Uh, you know what I find interesting with this too, and Chrissy, maybe you can uh, chime in as well, is that we've often heard in the fire community that people rush to the finish mm -hmm. line and get there and don't have anything to retire to, and that's come up over and over again is trying to find something to retire to. And I'm totally guilty of not having that passion that you talk about. And I'm envious of it because I want that feeling and I get glimpses of it in certain things that I do, but it's never been my sort of my day job or something that I've 100% given myself to. So for the people out there that get to fire or FI and still haven't found that, that's difficult to do as well. But you're just saying you've already got that, which is awesome, but it's going to push Phi way out in the distance, right? So it's kind of a bit of an okay trade-off in a sense. It's an okay trade-off if I succeed, if I'm successful. Because well, if I'm unsuccessful... Are you measuring that by money, though? Uh, to some extent. Because at some point, if you're not making a living, it's just an expensive hobby. <laughs> that's that's fair. And <laughs> hence podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, podcasting is dirt cheap. It's great. I it's guess, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like when I think of like I calculated I had a studio and in, in, in the span of like five years I spent like seventy grand in commercial rent and mm -hmm. I never made a profit, you know, it's just hemorrhaging money year yeah. after year. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 it, but you're right, it's this weird is dichotomy the word I'm looking for? It's this opposing two separate things. Either, you know, like, you know, sometimes people will say they have the phi doldrums, like mm -hmm. they, they, they reach phi and they kind of don't know what to do with their time or something like, like that's inconceivable to me. I can't even imagine that, right? I, I guess my strategy from the get-go is I knew very early on that to me, the most important thing in life was to do something you love for a living. I felt like I want to do something that even if I'm not getting paid, like I'm okay with it. And I've had that feeling where you go to bed and you can't go, you don't want to go to bed because you, you, like you just want it to be tomorrow morning so you can go back to work. That's amazing. <laughs> it's the best, oh, it's the best feeling in the world, honestly. <laughs> Nothing beats yeah. that. It's incredible. But the thing is, you do that, you hustle for years and years. And it takes years. I mean, success in these fields is measured in decades a lot of times. You know, if you're a writer or whatever, you know, Stephen Pressfield, mm -hmm. right? Like sit your butt down in the chair and do the work. It grinds you down and eventually it starts to erode that passion. Mm -hmm. And eventually you get a little older and you're like, when do I get off this like merry-go-round? You know, and you because at some point you're like, it's you're, you're like you enter your 40s and it's not cute to be in debt anymore you know <laughs> mm -hmm. right so you reach that point and then you start questioning everything and then that's where things get a little dicey you know because mm -hmm. you have that passion but you also kind of feel like okay at some point i'd like to live for something other than my passion and i, I think how you spend your money is indicative of kind of like like we were saying before right it, it's kind of designing your future life 
So at some point, if you want something else in your life, the passion does have to take a backseat on some level. But then what do you do if you still feel like you haven't kind of arrived at your destination? Mm -hmm. So would you feel like you're, are you at that phase right now, that transition phase where you're? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And it's been a, maybe a couple of years or so, mm -hmm. you know, that I've kind of reached that point where I'm like, oh, man. But I also know that I haven't been doing it that long. You know what I mean? Uh, I got serious. Well, it depends what phase, right? Because I spent 10 years singing, 10 years playing guitar, 10 years writing, you know, and now about 12 years audio engineering. So they're all kind of like different phases where I moved into something I liked more over and over. But cumulatively, it's, uh, you know, it's 30 years of artistic pursuit, mm -hmm. right? With a whack load of debt to show for it. But a lot of, uh, a lot of joy too. But yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, it's definitely something that we all, all creative types kind of go through it because uh, I mean, the reality is very, 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 very few creatives ever reach that point where they're making like a, a solid living on their, on their art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I heard a stat recently or that, you know, we're all promised careers as we grow up, but like the reality is only 2% of us have careers. The rest of us have jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I can believe yeah, that. Yeah. It's partly yeah. how you look at it too. And, yeah. and you could argue that you have reached the, um, maybe the emotional and um, life satisfaction of FI right away. <laughs> you've reached that part of it. Uh, it's just the money side you need to figure out now. So you've been living your passion for a very long time. And a lot of people, they have that backwards, right? They, they live a life of, you know, maybe gray <laughs> um, servitude for a long time until they reach FI and then they come to life. And so maybe it it's not really wrong. It's just the way you've done it is different. You have chosen to put the passion first. And who's to say that's not the right way to do it? Because as you say, some people need to start young because their bodies give out or their their skills oh, yeah. uh, atrophy as they get older. So it's, sometimes there are things that you have to do when you're younger and you sacrifice um, maybe the financial stability at a young age, but you come to it later in age and all the while you've lived your passion and you've been happy. Yeah. And if you kind of pull it off, it's, it's almost funny. It's almost like if you kind of pull off that kind of thing, it's almost feels like it's almost a cheat code for FI, right? Like, uh, I'm sure you've heard the saying, oh, if you do something you love, you don't work a day in your mm -hmm. life or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's like only 70% true, I think. But uh, there's definitely some truth to it. Some truth to it. And I, I found it really interesting too, like uh, Chrissy, when you said, when you talked about the other cases also where that can happen, because I'm who I am, I kind of only saw the, the sort of a artistic approach to it. But you also mentioned it even like, let's say rearing a family or something like that. Sometimes if your children have specific passions that you want to encourage, it's kind of a similar thing, right? You kind of have to detract a little bit from your journey for that as well. Mm -hmm. Or even in my case, I chose to stop working. I was a creative person. I was a graphic designer uh -huh. and that I wasn't paid very well either. I was in a, working for a nonprofit. So um, my wage was not great. And then I even chose to take that off the table to become a stay-at-home mom. And so looking back, like you, I, I have some regrets about financially, mm. the sacrifice of that. But at the same time, I wouldn't change my life because I was happy. I did what I wanted to do. And I like the lifestyle that we chose. And so, yes, it set us back 
quite massively to um, take one whole income off the table. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't change it because I needed to live that kind of lifestyle to be happy. I know you're going to look at me. No, I was supposed to jump in now. <laughs> no, I was just taking in what you're both saying and just going, wait a minute, maybe I've done this backwards. <laughs> uh, maybe I did it backwards. Oh, no. You know, well, it was also occurring to me, too, is like we talked at the beginning about our, our age bracket. Let's call it a bracket. We've got a ton of time left. Yes. And I totally agree with what you're saying about um, artistic pursuits where, you know, maybe your best voice is going to be in your 30s or your most athletic and be a ballet dancer in your, you know, 20s. I, I totally understand what you're saying there. But from, a, from the money side of it, being in our 40s isn't anywhere close to the finish line. Like, you've got another good 25 years of working years if you choose. And you've got probably another 40 years of investing to do, right? So I know that just because it's like, oh, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball at this age, you've got the long-term mindset from sort of joining the FI community. Mm -hmm. Too much of the discussion in the community is for people that are younger mm -hmm. and they're looking at 10 or 15 years out. But I mean, for us, 10 or 15 years out is still a pretty good age to reach FI or be closer to it. Yeah. Because even if we get to 65 and have a traditional retirement that, that's funded well so that we can retire well traditionally, that's not losing the game, mm -hmm. in my opinion. No. And that's why I've seen a lot of popular growth and my own interest in either Coast-Fi or Slow-Fi. Or one of the questions I was going to ask is, does it make sense for you to do mini retirements, you know, like, you know, do the hard work, save up some cash or whatever, and then, and then have a more focused, passionate time. Is that something you've thought of? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You, you bring up a whole bunch of good points. Um, I hope I can address them without like forgetting them. <laughs> Cause That's I'm a okay. bit of a, I tend to use, say too many things at once. So just do whatever you can. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'm a bit of a goldfish. Um, yeah. So what you mentioned there, you know, how we have a lot of time left. Yeah, and you're right, you know, like, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you watch YouTube or whatever, and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk will pop up and he's like, you still have 40 years, mother effer, you know, <laughs> like, you got a lot of time. And, and he's right, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's true. It's just that we're, we're, especially in the FI sphere, we're constantly bombarded by these success stories. I was like, oh, I'm retired at 31. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, read my blog, do what I did kind of yeah. thing. So... <laughs> It, you know, so you, there's a lot of that, uh, but you are absolutely right. So we, we do have more time than we think. Um, and the way I kind of see it is even if I, let's say, quote unquote, fail, right, at kind of achieving the sort of early retirement part, I'm like, man, my retirement years are going to be so much more comfortable and infinitely better than they would have been mm -hmm. if I hadn't spent 25 years building, making choices that were different than I would have mm -hmm. before. And that in itself is a win. I mean, that means maybe you can shave five years off. Maybe you can say no to a certain job. You just don't feel like doing. You can't be bothered anymore, you know? Totally. Um, yeah, so that makes a really big difference. And I think that is important to remember. I certainly remind myself that all the time. I just have a bit of a, an achiever mindset. So, you know, I can be hard on myself that way. Yeah, so that that's definitely a good point. And uh, 
I have a really good example. Okay, let's turn this into a therapy session. <laughs> I've got this really, <laughs> this brings me to kind of like my, my dad's story, right? In the sense that, okay, so I, I never, you know how people say, oh, you learn a lot of the things from your parents and how you behave and all that. And like that never occurred to me up until maybe a couple of years ago, which is super weird, right? Uh, my dad's like 80 now. All my life, right, I always felt like, oh, he's really good with money. You know, he's really, he doesn't want to spend. He's really good with money. And then, you know, time passed, time passed. And the more I observed sort of his behavior and looked at sort of his history with, let's call it the FII, you know, with kind of like that, with these concepts, I thought, oh my God, no, he's not good. He was just kind of, he was just a little bit cheap. <laughs> and there's a really big difference, right? It honestly, I think it scared me straight on some level because I look at some of his habits like paying bills with a credit line instead of cash. And he's not paycheck parking. You know, he's not using like a an advanced strategy, right? It's just yeah. to him, it's perfectly normal. Say, so, hey, I'm going to pay the electricity bill with my credit line. You know, <laughs> Things that horrify me now that I couldn't have cared less about two years ago mm -hmm. or three years ago, you know? And so seeing that and then things like that, or uh, I was really... Uh, I had a bit of a shocking moment. I think it was two years ago. He, he comes and he says to me, oh, my uh, I, my RSP is dry, done. It's empty, you know? And I couldn't believe it. I was floored. You know, I really couldn't believe it. And I went, okay, you know what? No matter what, that's not going to happen to me. I will do everything I can to prevent that from happening to me. So I think that by sort of following these concepts and all that, there's there's that possibility to build that, at the very least, that's the worst case scenario, mm -hmm. right? It's to build a future where I can say, okay, I saw what happened when you kind of don't follow any of these things, when you're not taught about how money works and all that. And I'm upset that I only found out like <laughs> recently as a, a well-advanced adult, um, <laughs> well, adult on the surface anyway, <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, now that I kind of saw the, I, I had firsthand, I witnessed the, he's 80 years old now. I, I saw firsthand the end game mm. of not following that path and not being careful. And it scared me straight, something fierce. It's kind of like, you know, somebody gets sick in your family from cancer and you're like, I'm quitting smoking. <laughs> that's it, you know? Yeah, so that was huge. That was really big. Well, I think that's what the beauty of FI is and why we focus on FI and not the RE, retire early because mm -hmm. the ultimate goal is financial independence you know to to be financially stable and to be able to provide for yourself when you can no longer work and if you happen to get there sooner great great that's just gravy and just a bonus but if you don't you're just giving yourself a comfortable secure retirement and why is that bad? There's nothing wrong with that. Like, why can't we just focus on that? And then if you want to retire early, that's optional. You you don't have to. A lot of people try, tend to focus on that and say that that's crazy, unrealistic. Then if that's if that's your sense, then just leave that part. But financial independence is something that everyone should strive for, because who wants to be beholden to other people or uh, stuck in a life situation that they don't want? You know, it if you can get to financial independence, you open up so many options all along the way. You know, you've already reached a certain level of freedom because you mentioned that you've saved up a year of runway to allow yourself to, you know, pivot into something new, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I did do that. Uh, one of the things I did is when I closed my last 
uh, studio space, my last commercial space. Let me tell you, commercial rent is no <laughs> joke. <laughs> and the leases are oh. long. I sold off a bunch of gear. And the way I'm lined up right now, if everything goes well, within about six months, I should have a runway of a, f a full year where I don't have to actually generate an income. That's amazing. Everything is included in that. Debt payments, wow. uh Every, uh, you know, expenses and everything. Uh, so, you know, I'm still debating it a little bit. Um, one wise thing that I remember all that I tell myself all the time is, is if it's not necessary to decide, it's necessary to not decide, <laughs> right? So, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a funny one. But basically, it means I don't have to decide right now what I'm going to do with that sort of runaway and that sort of like uh, that giant cushion. But where I'm sitting right now, that's the plan. Yeah, I'm going to take 12 months, take a break from, you know, servitude, corporate servitude for a little bit and take those 12 months and work full time at on my own business and on my own sort of uh, financial development and uh, that kind of thing, you know. But yeah, no, it's I, I'm looking forward to it. Really, what I'd really rather, of course, is to transition gradually. And then buy some uh, stocks or something with that money instead. But <laughs> well, there's no shortage of uh, what ETF to buy in Canada <laughs> out there. So <laughs> it's insane, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just more popularized every day. People from YouTube channels and all the rest of it. And that's great. One of the things I'm I'm kind of drawing out of this whole discussion is that you know we talked about how your dreams can get in the way of fire. But developing an FI mindset can help you continue towards your dreams, right? And using the money that you have, which is a tool, learning how to use it most effectively. That is true. Yeah, yeah. No, you make an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Fire may be off the table for now, but the mindset changes everything. And that's permanent, right? That that that's absolutely permanent. I mean, one of the things that uh, that we're you know we're talking about Joshua Sheets before. One of the things he said. That, I, that always stayed with me. He was like, focus on your the goals, the life, uh, your your life long-term goals, and instill the money habits. Just install all those habits. It could be a savings rate. It could be whatever. And he says, the money will work itself out. Mm -hmm. You know, the money will take care of itself. You just install those money habits, put those in place, and focus on your goals, on your pursuits, on your passions and all that. And the money will work itself out in the long mm -hmm. run is how he put it. And I found that to be true over the last, let's call, let's say, year and a half, you know, let's say the last 18 months when I, you know, decided, okay, you know what, from here on out, I've got a 15% savings rate. I call it my wealth building rate. <laughs> um, and the point of it is that that 15% every month, no matter what, is going to go towards building my net worth, whether that's paying down debt or my one rule is it has to be somewhere where I can't take it back. Mm. Yep. Smart. It Smart. has to literally be wealth building mm -hmm. because if I'm just setting it aside and then I use it to do something else, like like this runway that I, I, I've built, that I'm in the process of building, that's not coming from that 15% because that's money I'm going to strategically deploy later to sort of create a trampoline maybe into a further phase. You know, it's kind of like a, a strategic expenditure, but that 15%. That's going straight to, to debts or things that are not coming back, you know, things that will really, you know, it's, it's kind of reassuring. You, you kind of have this thing like, you know what, no matter what I do, no matter how much pizza I buy, no matter any impulse buy I might make, 
that 15% is going where it needs to, and it's not coming back, and my net worth will be better because of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like putting gas in your car. You can't take the gas back out if you get <laughs> yeah. more mileage now because you put it in, yeah. right? It's it's in. I wouldn't Absolutely. call gas an investment. I just it came to me as an analogy of like, yeah, you put something in there, you can't get it out, but it adds, it gives you value. Yeah, yeah, and it feels so good. You know, it really feels you're like, hey, I, I'm actually, I feel like I'm making a little bit of progress here. And you know, sometimes it's tempting to say, oh, I'll take that out, and uh, you know, I'll use it to fund this or whatever. But like, you just stick to that one rule. It just works. It works really well. Uh, you kind of get the benefits over the long term, and they're not just monetary. You know, they're they're kind of like it builds your uh, your resilience to spending. It builds your I don't know how else to put it. It's yeah, you said it. It reinforces your your mindset. This is something I talk about all the time, and you are just proving it out. When you find your why and you find what your true values are, everything falls into place as far as your FI journey and how you choose to spend your money and how you what you choose to save towards, it all just falls into place when you know this is my compass. This is the thing I want, the goal I want. And these are the things that I don't care about anymore because um, my goal is more important. And so it sounds like what you found in the last two, three years is this focus. Like, okay, I want to have a secure retirement eventually. And there are things I can let go of and I can still pursue my passion just in a slightly different way. And I'm still happy mm -hmm. because I'm reaching for my goals in the way that makes sense to me. It, you know, it's kind of like when you, you, you go through a period where you really watch what you eat. And then it's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm a little trimmer. <laughs> uh, I'm a little more sexy suddenly, you know, and then you're like, oh, you know, so it's kind of like that. You, you, you know, you're like, hey, my, my, my debt went down by like eight grand in the last year, you know? Yeah, that's what they call like a virtuous cycle, right? It, it feeds on itself yeah. because it reinforces yeah. all, all the achievements, reinforce yeah. the, the initial tasks that you got done. And then you just want to keep doing more and more and, and it just builds on itself. Yeah, I don't even have desire for audio equipment anymore, really? which is insane. <laughs> wow. I never, th <laughs> I never thought that could happen. <laughs> That's incredible. That's a huge change. That is incredible. That is incredible. I just want to say something to you, Max. You're so hard on yourself. You say you're the least Fi guest that we've had, but... I've just, I'm just so impressed with all the things you're telling us, like how much you've changed your life and your money mindset. You know, you're saving 15%. And then on top of that, you're putting towards your one year of runway and just how you've seen how your dad was living his life in retirement and how you didn't want that. Like all of those are humongous shifts. And I just want to say congrats. And I'm impressed. And I'm just so proud <laughs> seeing how you've transformed. And I, I really think you're too hard on yourself. You, you should give yourself a pat on the back. You've done really well. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it really is true. because Yeah, it's, it's not easy to have done all that you've done. Yeah, I, I echo your sentiment there, Chrissy, for sure. And the nicest thing about the FI community is the, the warmth and the giving and the support that we all share with each other. And no matter where your journey is or how long it's going to take you to get there, it's all part of doing it together and, and helping each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we end the show, you have some books here that you wanted to share with our audience because a lot of people are always hungry for new money books. So they are, they are. And um, I, that's, I've read many of them. That's why I was, I, I wanted to mention them just because they're maybe lesser known books that are not as mm -hmm. common to people. 
and they've been highly influential for me and they've helped me a lot. So the first one is uh, Set for Life by Scott Trench. Um, he's one of the hosts over at Bigger Pockets, uh, the Bigger, Bigger Pockets, Pockets Money, yes. money yeah, show. With Mindy. Yeah, because they have a couple of different uh, branches mm-hmm. to the brand or whatever. So he has a book. It's really quite good, honestly. What I like the most about it, you know, a lot of times the books are about sort of just general concepts and things like that. Uh, his is very much a step-by-step process where he takes you from being broke and in debt to having built a very powerful sort of like financial foundation. And I find that's kind of rare. Like I find a lot of authors, they don't want to adventure too, too far and be like, you should do this. You know, because there's a certain, you know, maybe there's a certain amount of responsibility about it or whatever. But he's really not shy and uh, about presenting ideas and showing a path and being like, this is your best path. And and he says like stuff like, you know, I, I find it's great, but you won't hear too often things like uh, pro sports are a waste of time. Stop. Oh. <laughs> you know, like interesting. Yeah, stuff like that. Like if you're watching sports, stop. I look at some of my friends who are like obs- they who are who are obsessed with certain teams and certain sports, and I'm like. Yeah, I could kind of see, you know, if you spend a ton of time doing that, I can kind of see where that time could be sort of like maybe directed towards a different mm-hmm. sort of activity that could benefit you truly in the long term. When I think back, I love basketball, but like, except for the the benefit of the uh, social interaction, seeing friends and building those relationships, like that was a win, but I probably could have skipped half <laughs> the basketball I watched in my life and come out further mm-hmm. ahead you know like you know so so he says stuff like that and basically the the whole runaway thing actually kind of comes from that book he mentions like okay like the one of the first steps of course is to pay off the debts but he was also like look if, if the debt is too much forget it just build your runway so you can quit your nine to five so you can redirect yourself towards of course he says a sales job mm-hmm. or another performance-based thing but the the global idea is there so i thought that was really good so i'd recommend that book and the other book that I love to recommend, it's a tiny little book. Um, I have the audiobook version, so it clocks in at just like under three hours. Uh, I mean, the paper version is probably a quarter of an inch thick. But it's a wonderful little book called uh, The Credit Game by uh, Richard Moxley. I've never heard of that one. Exactly, right? Yeah. And honestly, I think it's re- it should be required reading for any Canadian financial independence. Okay. So it is written for Canadians? For Canadians, and that's what's so wonderful about it, you know, like all the credit mm-hmm. advice that we see online, it's always for mm-hmm. Americans, you know, uh, and this guy, it's all Canadian, and uh, he does point out that U.S. credit stuff and Canadian credit stuff, they're not the same thing. There's some similarities, huh. but they're not the same. So you do need different information and like... You know, I, I learned all kinds of little little things from that book because he explains how your credit score becomes what it is and how it actually works. He kind of gives you some inside information. He tells you stuff like, well, the credit score that you get from BorrowWell or Equifax or whatever, that's not the same number that mm-hmm. the banks use when they're evaluating you because every bank has their own evaluation system that kind of spits out a different score. Uh, stuff like that or another like little tidbit that I thought was super interesting is having dormant credit cards is bad Hmm. is what he says you know like say say you have a credit card that you don't use and all the balances are at zero right like all my credit card balances are at zero (laughs) but you know leaving them all at zero and they never get used can impact your score negatively over time 
Interesting. I didn't know that because right? their advice is to hold on to those cards because it ages your credit. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great. And you sh- he does mm-hmm. say that and you should, but you should charge a little something, something every now and then for that card to come up in evaluations. That makes sense. Just to show that you use it and you're responsible with when you use it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, he has all kinds of little tidbits mm-hmm. like that. I'm not doing the book justice. It's a very short book, but it's very concise. There's no filler. It's all very useful, actionable information. And honestly, since I've uh, gone that route, like my score has like, it was always good because banks love people who are massively in debt, but never (laughs) miss a payment. Yes, they do. (laughs) You know, Uh, but it went up even further. Uh, So yeah, highly recommend. another win, Max. (laughs) You're you're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, let's wrap her up and tell us more about your services as our audio production engineer and what you can offer to other listeners out there because I know there's other startup podcasts Mm -hmm. out there that hopefully listen to our show. We've talked to some of those hosts and uh, it is a more important part of the overall show value than than I ever thought at the beginning. But uh, yeah, tell us about your service, what you can offer and where our listeners can find you if they're interested or even if they want to just pass your name on to other people. Yeah, that's so true, eh? Kind of having a a sort of a dedicated audio professional on board is something that like, you don't realize how nice it is Mm -hmm. to have kind of thing, or you don't realize that you need it until you try it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I've fired up a new website and everything. It's called uh, Fix Audio. Basically, the way you spell it, yeah, F-I-X-A-U-D dot I-O. Yeah, I'm definitely looking to add more podcasts. I'm right at the beginning of that professional journey. So lots of experience, but not a lot of clients. So a good time to get on board if somebody's looking for that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we've been thrilled with the help that you've given us. It's been amazing. I've learned so much from you just in the last six or seven months we've worked together. Things I didn't know I should know. And and now I do, you know, that you helped me pick my mic and I fine tuned my audio and hopefully it's better than ever. Uh, thanks. All thanks to you. You've just shared so much knowledge and so much experience with us. And it, it's just been invaluable to the show. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you sound great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> I think I have to up my game this year, too, and get rid of this headset that I Oh, use. is it time? It is. <laughs> is it time? It was one of my New Year's decisions, so I'm getting there. I have to revisit uh, all those emails nice. that you sent us, which were super helpful. <laughs> right on. Well, Thanks so much for coming on and sharing the story. And again, of course, as Christy and I mentioned earlier, is being part of the team. It's been fantastic. You're a great guy to work with. And uh, yeah, I what a great show. I, I think it was it was nice to dive into a little different side of the FI journey. That's not always the same. Work your nine to five and save eighty percent and retire in ten years. Yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Chrissy, for kind of pushing me to do it a little bit because yeah, I was really I was shy sorry. about getting on. You know, yeah. I kept <laughs> telling like, oh. you, like, you got to come on. It's such a great story. You're like, come on, let's do this. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, finally I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. I'm uh, highly introverted, so I I need a little push sometimes to to do stuff like that. Well, thank you for coming on. It, it's a great story. And I think a lot of people will relate to it. Like I said, it's not just uh, creative types. A lot of people are in similar situations. And I think your story will be inspiring for them. Thanks for listening. If you've been getting value from our content, please support us in the following ways. Leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Tell your friends and family about us. 
or use our referral links at explorefycanada.ca forward slash recommendations. All of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us on our other websites, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our show is edited and mixed by Max Desmarais at Fix Audio. That's F-I-X-A-U-D dot I-O. Episode transcripts were created in otter.ai.